I think I'm having an art attack. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Art Attack with your host, Lizzie Dastin, and myself, Bua. Today, we are talking about probably the most beloved painter of our time, I would say, you know, in terms of the general population and who people know, and that is Bob Ross. Bob Ross is synonymous with painting and with painting teaching and instruction, and we know him uh, especially because of the way he talks so softly, <laughs> the way he teaches so softly. And he's very, he's very soothing. He has an ASMR energy to him, right? He yes. was kind of, he's been called the godfather of ASMR. And also because of his hair. He's got that afro. It's really kind of got that funky afro. And Lizzie, I want to tell you that I learned because he put all of his money into the production of The Joy of Painting. But I've heard that one of the things he cut out was haircuts. And that's why he grew his hair out. I'm not even kidding. That's why he grew his beard out. That's why he grew his hair out. And because it was counterintuitive to the, to the way, or counter Bob Ross to the way he always was earlier because he was in the military. But Bob Ross grew his hair out because he didn't want to cut it, because he put all of his money into the joy of painting on PBS. And uh, that is why he's... Be- I mean, and then he never shaved his beard or cut his hair because he always, affect- he always thought that that would affect the Bob Ross brand. So that's interesting. Once again, we get into like Bob Ross's look is paramount, as is his talking is paramount to his brand, as is... Andy Warhol's look when Andy Warhol dyed his hair silver. Well, when he, he wore was in his wigs. Tw- right, and he wore wigs, and he also had a nose job before no- nose jobs were in fashion. But he had a look and a feel, and I think Bob Ross also had a look and a feel and a style. And so that really also lended to his popularity. And for me, I had never even seen the work of Bob Ross. I think that I was too young to watch The Joy of Painting, and so I don't. You're looking at me like I'm insane. Yeah, because he because he had a total rebirth uh, during yeah, MTV. Yeah, like in the 2000s, right, right. It's because true. they made fun of him, like they kind of made fun of him as the Godfather of Kitsch by doing those little interstitials. But that kind of backfired, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, I love this guy." Right, and so that's what I knew, the lionizing of his persona and how sweet he is and kind of like the Mr. Rogers of the art world, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know his paintings themselves Mm. until you had the great idea, and I think that this episode topic is amazing, and so then I looked at his actual work, and so I think that the the Afro, I think the vibe, I think the voice, that mm-hmm. has definitely taken much more significance within the, the zeitgeist than the actual art, and that's fine. And just the fact that he was a teacher, and I think what's, what's really valuable about his work is the fact that he's making art accessible to everybody. He isn't really proprietary about his little tricks. I saw a bunch of the episodes, The Joy of Painting, and they're amazing. And he is so transparent about how he achieves the actual painting effect that he does. And he's a very skilled landscape artist. 
and my well, a skilled landscape artist. I mean, yeah, there's there's <laughs> I mean, there's, more skill than I have. There's Corot, <laughs> there's the Hudson River School painters, and then there's Bob Ross. I mean, he right, was a- but the fact that he is democratizing art, and the mm. fact that he is generously gifting all of these techniques to anybody who wants them, I think is beautiful. And what I love about his persona is that it's delicate, it's graceful, it's kind. He is filled with gratitude. And we were just talking last week about Pollock and how his persona is moody and tortured and he is weighed down by the cultural ills of humanity. And Bob Ross is kind of the antidote to that. So let's get into why that is. He's raised by a Cherokee carpenter father and uh, a waitress mom, and he grows up in Orlando, Florida. Now, Bob Ross, unbeknownst to many people, was basically a long-time military guy in the Air Force. He was a master sergeant. For like 20 years, right? right? So you got to think about what a master sergeant is doing. You goddamn got to think about it! <laughs> okay? So he is... And, and this is probably why he's so gentle, right? So he grew up taking care of animals. He's got this kind of veterinary mindset. But he goes into the military, and he is a master sergeant. And I want to really see, like, footage of early Bob Ross when he was, like, yelling at people. <laughs> Do because, those push-ups! Yeah, God damn you! Paint those happy little trees! The squirrel! <laughs> so after that, he became a bartender, and he discovered a show called The Magic of Oil Painting, hosted by German painter Bill Alexander. This is it. This is where his career takes off. This is the pivot in his life. He realizes, wait a minute, I could start painting this way. He starts painting that way. He's making more money painting than he is bartending. And he's like, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to start selling Bill Alexander's goods, teaching classes like he does, kind of in those like drink and draw type of settings, right? And then he's discovered by a lady, uh, Kowalski, who says, you could do this on your own and I'll put all my money in, you put all your money in and we'll do it. And by the way, incidentally, Bill Alexander, the German guy who, I don't know if you've seen his show in the seventies, but he was a complete nut. What kind of work did he do? He did like oil paintings like Bob Ross, all wet into wet, which were like, you know, classical, traditional wet into wet. I mean, everybody works. A la prima. A la prima, but everybody works wet into wet. I work wet into wet. Animation artists work wet into wet. Landscape painters work wet into wet. Can you explain what that is? It's working wet paint into wet paint as opposed to wet paint into dry paint, essentially. And so is the purpose of that so that you can more... Right, so it... You have... So, okay, look what Bob Ross is doing. We, We have to think about this. But what makes Bob Ross great is this, and I'll attest to this because I don't think that Bob Ross is a highly skilled Zorn or a highly skilled Caravaggio or a highly skilled anybody... Sergeant, you know, the painter painters will look at him and be like, that's a joke. That's like hotel art. But this guy is manufacturing these paintings in a half an hour out of his head with no reference, although people didn't know that he did a painting before. And after. And after. Three of every painting. Three of every painting. So one was marked, you know, whatever, before. And he would look at that painting off camera. Then he would paint that painting on camera, and then he would do another detailed version of that painting that was meant for his book afterwards. So there's always three paintings of the same painting. 
And in all of those paintings, there's not one figure. It's always trees, mountains, leaves, lakes, river, whatever. But getting back to what I was saying, 30 minutes to create a highly recognizable landscape, that's incredible. Like, I can't do that. I mean, I guess I could do it if I was being super duper cheesy with oils. The oils is fast, it's quick, it's wet into wet. And he's using his tools that he's, that he's teaching to the world, that he's bringing to the world. And he makes it feel like anybody could do it because I feel like anybody can do that. Like I always say that we're all artists, we all love it. And it's really fun, especially if you're creating, you could see something come to fruition in 30 minutes on TV, that's great, because when I was a kid, I watched Bob Ross, and I was like, it's like magic. You're seeing nothing, a two-dimensional blank canvas, and all of a sudden, you're seeing a whole forest scene. That's incredible. It is, and I also love that he leans into his mistakes, and then he corrects them. And so everything is a joyful process of discovery, and I think that's really fun, and we forget about the magic of creation. And we think so often that art has to be serious and art has to be really intense and it has to vibrate at a maximum level, but it can also be something else. And that is my favorite way of connecting with Bob Ross is just that he is, he's allowing anybody who wants to, to be able to connect to this material. Yeah. And and I think at the, at the end of the day, he is a really great teacher, and probably because he was a military sergeant, a master sergeant, that he was able to really find peace and tranquility. And I feel like that's what he sought, and that's why people really love him, because now his show is on Netflix. They've picked up, you know, and I think it's one of the mo- most watched shows on Netflix, and it's because people just put it on in the background, whether they're smoking a joint or no one's really tuning in, but they're listening to the soothing Bob Ross sound. Oh my God. You know what it reminds me of in the reality or non-scripted space? It reminds me today of the great British baking show because everybody is kind to each other and how there's such a proliferation of food shows, but the great British baking show. That's a great show. Is sweet. Yeah. And people are nice to each other and they don't want their comrades to fall. And I think that Bob Ross was that in the 90s when his show was on. And I was also thinking about this. So he had a show the on PBS. 90s. Oh, I see. The 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 resurrection of Ross. Because yes. Ross yeah, yeah. started in the 70s. Right. But then his show, I think, ran in the 80s to the 90s. I think his show has never stopped airing on PBS. But and, that's when it was made, wasn't it? It was made in the 70s to the 80s. Oh, you're saying, did it run? Did he do more I, episodes For in whatever the 90s? reason, I, I know that he's had a bunch of different shows, but I thought that The Joy of Painting was created in, from the 80s to the 90s. I don't think so. Well, right. I'm well, going to look that up during this. Look thing. that up. Yeah, but yeah. I was saying or thinking about this that he was on PBS at roughly the same time as Sister Wendy. And he is an artist who is creating this populist experience for anybody who's interested in art. And Sister Wendy was an art historian who was doing the same thing. So I was like, oh, my God, it's me and Bua. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's except, you know, like to think that I'm high. Bob Ross has better hair. Exactly. (laughs) Jesus. Anybody with an afro like that's a winner. Uh, But I think, you know, what what he brought was really, really, really a lot because... 
Remember, ASMR is autonomous sensory meridian response. And that is now huge. And we know from Bob Ross with his palette knife to his like his actual fan brush to his badger brush and the way that he talks. Now we're going to just paint some happy little trees. And the way he's able to really engage is transfixing. It's meditative. It's seductive and alluring. You look at this, these ASMR channels on YouTube, some, you know, sometimes it's just a comb, combing hair or nails on a, you know, on a tablecloth, whatever. It's crazy. And they've got majillions and majillions of downloads. But Bob Ross really is one giant ASMR <laughs> broadcast. He really is. And there's a sound sensation that you're getting, which is ASMR. But then there's a visual sensation, which you're getting too, because you're watching a painting grow with love and kindness. And that's a spiritual sensation also. It is. It is. It really is. And, you know, to say Bob Ross is spiritual is really funny, but it's kind of true. Like, there's a spirituality to how his work just blossoms and how much he loves it and how much he wants to teach you and how much you feel like you're there with him. And nobody really has done it before. The German, uh, his German teacher, Alexander, was was really rough around the edges and he was fun and he was loopy. He was kind of nuts. And, you know, Bob Ross brought a whole different game to the game of painting and, and broadcast it to, to the world to really love it and learn it. And I think that's because he really, really, really loved it. You know, and as much of a brand as Bob Ross became, because you got, you know, your Bob Ross toaster and your Bob Ross waffle. <laughs> and doesn't he have uh, a, a whole set of paint materials? Yeah, and he had that when he was alive. He had his whole Bob Ross kit, right? It was the Bob Ross kit. And everything that he did was for the brand. And then he has, like we said, those paintings. Now, the paintings were interesting because the paintings were never sold. I was just going to say that yeah. because the the brand never really extends to the selling of his actual art, which I think is completely counterintuitive. And a lot of people have wanted to buy Bob Ross paintings, but they can't find them. And there are tons of copies because that was sort of the point of the show. Yeah, but he's the father of hotel art in a way. Maybe, yeah. And I see it's akin to a Thomas Kincaid a little bit, just For in sure. the, the landscape. And of course, Kincaid has more human interactions and participation. Kincaid is, Kincaid is an actually like really talented painter who did this because he wanted, he wanted to commodify art to the 10th power and be rich as hell. I feel like there's kind of this greed and avarice with Kincaid. As for Bob Ross, I feel like there's definitely a protection of his brand, but I feel like he really wanted to teach and share and love it. And he wasn't into some bullshit like, you know, I'm the artist, the chosen artist of God, and I'm doing this for... You know, like, I feel like Kincaid had a lot of that. I think that Bob Ross is kind of the anti-Kincaid, because like even though they're too. both painting things that aesthetically, there are definitely points of connection, the points of departure are substantial. So Bob Ross was not a problematic person, and he also wasn't trying to exploit 
his viewers or exploit anybody himself, his paintings. And Thomas Kincaid was very invested in monetizing his work, which I'm not saying is bad. No, I don't. Yeah. And, and, and we don't know what kind of a person Bob Ross was really too much because he was a very private person. We do know that. But we do know that he had 31 series, 13 programs, and three versions of each of those. So let's do the math. Okay? Let's do the math. 31. Ready? Sorry. 31 times 13 equals 403 times 3. He did 1,209 paintings (laughs) on TV. I mean, for the TV show. He said that he did 30,000 paintings in total, but we don't really know where that number comes from. I don't know that that's true, but we do know that on air, we have to divide that by three, right? Yeah. So divided by three, on hair, on air, he's done 403 paintings. On hair. On, on, on hair. <laughs> he had some great hair. Yeah, he, had, he was on a lot of hair, a win, <laughs> or a loss. No. That's so, defamatory. <laughs> so, but we do know that he did 403 paintings on television. That's crazy. And these are the days of real TV when you had a big camera in a room and it was just, you know, how, how many mics do you think he had? I think he had two mics, like a lapel mic because you can hear the, you hear all of that. But I feel like he had another, uh, he must have had two mics, right? I mean, when we do the show. Yeah, so regardless, it's incredible like that he had to do so much content so fast and he was able to do it so fast. It is incredible. And it also makes me think about this concept of place and value because my own personal experience with him has been incredibly limited. I've studied art for 2 million years, but I've never (laughs) encountered Bob Ross because I've studied art in museums and auction houses and the top galleries. And those people have been anointed by intellectual tastemakers. And I think that Bob Ross has consciously tried to subvert that art world traditional mechanism. And so he found his own space, which is so much bigger Mm -hmm. and more profound and has this gigantic impact on tons of people who don't consider themselves art world experts, but at the cost, perhaps, of being at the Met or sold at Christie's. And so I, I just... I think that there's something really exciting and dynamic about that choice to eschew the one rarefied subsect of art in order to kind of activate everybody else. And you were right. His show ran from January 11th, 1983 to May 17th, 1994. Why would you doubt me? I don't know. I'm crazy. Because <laughs> I feel like he's so 70s looking. I feel like he's so like jeans, you know, jean shirt, button up. He's jean on jean with his... Ooh, Canadian bob. tuxedo. Yeah, yeah, which, <laughs> with his with his afro and his flyaway beard. I just feel like he... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't even think about the fact that he was from the 80s to the 90s. But he was. And he influenced really everybody. And he's, like I said, you know, initially coming into the episode, like, people love Bob Ross. They really do. They can't say, you can't really say too much negative about a guy who's A, he's teaching, B, he's on PBS. So you realize there's not too much you could monetize. I mean, you're not making money from that. And when you really start to dig into the history of Bob Ross, you start to realize 
wow, this guy put all of his money and time and energy into the show. And the Kowalskis, who actually own all of his work, he, he moved in with this lady and uh, her husband, the Kowalskis, and lived there. And they own all of his work. Did you know that? I did. Yeah, that's crazy. And the Smithsonian has recently acquired a, a handful of his paintings. Yes. And so I think that's wonderful that finally this undercurrent of academic teaching, the, the pedagogy of art is now entering into the the revered exhibition of art. Yeah, because he transcends just art. He's a he is really bizarrely such a pop cultural icon. I mean, today to be, you know, his resurrection on MTV uh, in the 90s and 2000s and then now running uh, on Netflix and still on PBS and he has products by the dozen and he's at the Smithsonian and perhaps there will be a stamp about him. I don't know. I was on the United States Stamp Committee. <laughs> you haven't mentioned that in a few episodes. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> not he on it anymore. Be. Is he not on a stamp? Not yet. Ah, oh, he's got to be. I can't say anything, but perhaps he will be. <laughs> Not sure. But you have to, th this guy is, in a lot of ways, he's dug his own niche. And it was a group of people like the Kowalskis and uh, I believe his first wife that really believed in him to the point where they were able to really invest all that they had into this show to make it accessible to the world because I think it's a I think when you're especially a kid and you see that you're just like wow it's possible and, and healing you, too mm -hmm. I just the positivity that radiates off of him and the love and the joy of the making that is such an important message for kids and that art can actually be this corrective footnote to the the ills and the pain that we experience in life yeah, and it could be definitely a background to having an incredible psychoactive trip on drugs because Bob <laughs> Ross seems to be associated with everything, right? <laughs> with healing, with therapy, with just kind of being lost in uh, the moment of time and having that that really peaceful, serene energy, which is his voice really echoes his landscapes and his landscapes are always like the pretty little happy tree or the happy clouds or the fluffy this or, you know, everything has really been given a name and a title and every, and he's so at one with nature. And it, it, it's, it's really interesting. Like no figures, no city scenes. He loved animals, especially squirrels. Well, he had that squirrel for ever. That one pet squirrel. Yeah, he loves squirrels. He loves all kinds of animals. Uh, and he's, you just feel like he's one of those guys who's like a really nice guy. It's just, it's weird. Like Mr. Rogers, too. You look at Mr. Rogers, like, whoa, that's a really nice guy. You Tom want... Hanks should play him in the next movie. Yeah, but you're, you're <laughs> almost feeling like, is, is there a darker side? And I don't really feel like there was. And perhaps that's because he was stable and he was in the military and he saw the hardships of, of, real military life and and what that had to offer and I feel like he wanted to he wanted peace and tranquility and he gave it to us he shared what he wanted the world to be like he really painted the world as it should be like much like the Hudson River School artists did too where they didn't really have a lot of figures in there barely ever because they wanted the world to be this 
utopian of nature. And I feel like that's what Bob Ross wanted. 